This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at mjmonos.com. Welcome to Story Over Everything. I am going to go ahead and jump right into my author's log, and I'm starting with Sunday, Sunday, July 16th, 2023. I wrote 109 words. This is what they are. I think this could work, cadets, Shush said after watching a few volleys. Who has an idea for how to make this game work for us to line the cradle quickly so we're free to help Humph sooner? Humph sooner. Remember, Gorilla Podcasting Tactics. Why don't we just throw all the bundles right into the cradle, Slurp offered. Chirp countered. How about you throw me the bundle and then I run it inside the cradle and spread it out? What will I do while you're spreading the litter? You can bring more bundles to the door? Chirp replied. What then? How many bundles do you think Slurp can set here while you're in the cradle? For Monday, July 17th, I wrote, A lot? Let's see what you can do, cadets. Litter me, Slurp. Okay, here it comes. Slurp served a volley of leaf litter to Chirp, which she carried inside the cradle. Shush corrected and guided Chirp in the ways of layering litter while Slurp worked at getting more litter bundles to the entrance of the cradle. Slurp tossed a bundle just the side of the hole. It promptly lost about half its mass to the ground. Slurp shuffled over, his head hung low, and made the bundle whole once more. Before Shush was satisfied with Chirp's litter spreading work, Shush had three bundles of litter waiting for her. Who helped you, Slurp? Nobody. How did you do that so fast? I'd like to say I'm fast, but you took a long time. That was 132 words, by the way, for Monday. Uh, Sunday was 109 words. I don't know if I recorded that or not. So moving on to Tuesday, July 18th, the reading is this. Really? Chirp huffed. So that isn't the solution. You will find... Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> so that isn't the solution. You will find that you rarely make a perfect strike the first time. You've seen the mistake. That's good. But it isn't enough. What do you do now? Chirp and Slurp looked at Hush for a while before Slurp said, Since I'm so much faster than Chirp, I say we work to get as many bundles by the door as we can, as quickly as we can, and then we can help take them into the cradle. And then I was wondering if maybe you could keep her shush, do all the cradle bedding, since we don't know how to do it. Interesting. Chirp, do you like that idea? Any improvements? Yes, Chirp responded. That was 120 words. Now moving on to July 19th, the next day. Continuing from Chirp responded. It would be better if we learned from you how to dress the cradle, so why not have us bring the bundles to the door by Slurp tossing them to me here, and then Slurp can go inside with you, and I can pass the bundles to him while he's in there with you. Maybe you could even tell him where to place the bundles, and he can move to each place, and I can toss them to him, and he can set them there. Once all the bundles are in place, you can teach us both how to spread them. That way, we both know how to do it and can help get the job done faster. So we have more time to help you get all the grow grubs in position. Slurp took his chance to cut in. Then we can relax. 
because we will be all done doing our part to help the camp. Team Shush, no, Team Keeper Shush is number one. Not quite, Shush paused, slurp, then said to Chirp, that is a good plan. Let us see how that improves your performance. A pair of grow grubs gurgled and fussed as they had gotten into some sort of tangle. Proceed, Shush dashed away to untangle the hapless pair. That was 210 words. Again, this is all me writing within 10 minutes. My writing length varies by different factors. Uh, from the 20th, I wrote 61 words, and they read this. Thus, they read thusly. By the time Shush had settled the pair of fussy grow grubs to attend or and attended to a few more along the way, Slurp and Chirp had placed all the bundles and were anxious for Shush to instruct them in the art of leaf litter laying. When that was done, the three moved the whole lot of grow grubs to their new and safer home. This is the reading for Cat and the Key of Kindness from the Growbug Tales series, written and read to you by MJ Munoz. They're here, Cat yelled, jumping up and down on the couch. Get down from there and help me greet your cousins, Cat's mom called. What are you guys whispering about? Cat demanded. It's a surprise, Ava answered. You all talked in the car. You're supposed to be here to play with me, Cat responded sharply. We're here so we can all have a good time, Harmony corrected. Five more minutes, Rex smiled soothingly. Fine, Cat yelled and stormed off. She slammed the slider door behind her. They don't care about me. No one wants to play with me. They don't even like me, Cat muttered to herself as she circled the yard. Ow, she cried. She looked up and saw a wall she had never seen before. Cat looked around and saw she was surrounded on all sides, but one, by the strange walls. Mom! Dad! she called. No one is coming, a wavering voice answered. Who are you? Cat asked. No one, just a spooktator, the voice answered. What do you want with me? Cat asked. A friend. No one wants to be my friend, the spooktator answered. Let me see you, Cat asked, curious about this lonely stranger. Have you seen Cat? Harmony asked Cat's mom. She's cooling off outside, Cat's mom grimaced. Remember, she's younger than you, and she looks up to all of you. We will, they all answered in unison. They went outside and searched for Cat. Someone is coming, the wavering voice spoke. A spooky figure floated past Cat. It was lumpy and misshapen. It was pale and had strange eyes or mouths all over, some sprouting bizarre arms, like creepy tree branches. It looks so sad, Cat whispered to herself. The spooktator appeared to Rex, Ava, and Harmony, each in their own cell, like Cat. If you can escape from the... My labyrinth of loneliness, you can go back to your world. If you don't, you can stay here and be my friends forever. The game ends at sundown, it told all four children. As the four children wandered through the maze, they each had feelings of loneliness creep into their thoughts. The spooktator searched each for precious memories. It pulled one each from Harmony, Rex, and Ava. He swallowed them and looked just as sad as he had before. Cat arrived at a dead end and let out a cry. I don't want to be trapped here forever, she wailed. Cat, is that you? Ava? Was that Harmony? Rex, you're here too? 
What are you all doing here? Cat called out, relieved to hear familiar voices. We came looking for you, Ava answered. Thanks, guys, Cat squeaked and sniffled. The wall Cat was leaning on gave way, opening like a hidden door. She ran down the tunnel it led to and reached her yard in a few minutes. She stumbled over something in the dim light and saw that she was alone. She called to her cousins, but no one answered. She spun around and ran back toward the labyrinth of loneliness. As she got closer, she saw three glowing shapes flying around her, headed in the same direction. Cat burst through the door and called to her cousins. The three glowing lights whizzed past her, and after much buzzing and flashing, her cousins stumbled into the no longer dead end. They all hugged and chattered excitedly, happy to be reunited and nearly free. What are these things? Cat waved at the giant glowing bugs perched on each of her cousins. This is Yah, the growbug, who saved me, Rex answered. Swoosh is here too, Ava answered. You're kind of like guardian angels, right, Wisp? Harmony added. But we need to hurry up and get out of here, she continued. Not so fast, Spooktator shrieked when they were all back in the yard. They all turned and saw its glowing eyes blaze. In a flash, it had warped into a larger creature with stumpy legs and long arms sprouting all over its body. Don't leave me alone, it screeched and rushed at them. Hya, swoosh, and wisp shot off towards the spooktator like rockets. They circled around, swooped over and under, and bashed into it. The spooktator stepped back, overwhelmed by the shine, glow, and sparkle of the brave little warriors. The spooktator swatted at the bugs, and one by one knocked them to the ground. But as one fell, the other two pressed the attack until the other one could recover. Cat shouted, Get its legs! Get its legs! Her cousins joined her, and soon the three grow bugs made a new attack. Wisp bobbed and wove through grasping arms and blared a brilliant light that blinded the spooktator. Swoosh twirled around one leg, wrapping in a band of light and pulling with all her might. Hya hacked at the other leg with glowing arm blades. Before long, the spooktator was on the ground. The kids cheered. A desperate wail rose from the monster, and it stirred again. This isn't working. It needs help, Cat said, then ran towards the spooktator and vanished. As the growbugs continued to struggle with the spooktator, Cat ran through the labyrinth towards the sound of mournful sobs. In a cell of its own, Cat saw a huge gray moth with drooping antennae that wiggled as it sobbed. It sat in a locked cage. Are you the spooktator? You have the same sad voice, Cat asked. The moth continued sobbing and sputtering as if it hadn't heard her. Hey, I'm here to help you. Cat reached out cautiously to touch it. It jumped and turned to face her when she rested a finger between its antennae. Its wings fluttered, kicking up dust that made Cat recoil. Who are you? The moth asked in a sad, wavering voice, much like the spooktator. I can be a friend, if you let me, Cat answered. No one wants me. No one cares about me. No one likes me, the moth droned on. I'm someone. I know how you're feeling, because I felt like that too. My name is Cat, and I want to help you. What's your name? Hey, you are someone. You felt that way too, and now you're all better? Well, hello, Cat. Nice to meet you. I am Hiss, she responded. Let's get you out of there. Cat pulled at the lock on the cage, but it wouldn't budge. It's okay. I'll figure a way out of here, Hiss said cheerily. I won't leave you behind again. Cat insisted. She pulled as hard as she could and tried to move the cage, but she couldn't. After several failed attempts, she sat down to think. Cat, I am a growbug. 
I'm supposed to protect you. You and your friends are in danger. You should get... You should go help them and let me be. I may be stuck in this cage, but I feel f free thanks to you. You're really sweet, and I wish we could have been friends, but it's time for you to go. The lock on the cage rattled, and it fell apart. The door swung open, and Cat and Hiss laughed for joy. Now let's go help your friends. Hiss flew past Cat, glowing brightly. Children, fellow growbugs, I have an idea. If we combine our strengths, we can transform our shape and weed out this spooktator and the whole sorrow spud patch controlling it. You can do that? Cat asked. Yep, Ava answered. No army this time? Harmony pouted. I got it. You other growbugs ever heard of Igustron? Rex asked. I'll fill them in, Rex, Hya said. Then the growbugs called out together. With radiant might, growbugs unite! Growbug gladiator, fight! And they transformed from four magical bugs into one mighty multicolored robot to match the spooktator. The growbug gladiator rushed at the risen spooktator. They spun and crashed and thrashed through the scene as the children watched on in wonder. Finally, the growbug gladiator ended the fight when the twin mantis cutters cut deep into the spooktator and light from the blades entered its monstrous body and burned it away like the flame banishing darkness. After the battle was over, the cousins and the growbugs had a lot to catch up on. The sleepover had almost been ruined, but in the end, the whole group enjoyed laughing and talking and sharing stories with each other. After everything that had happened, Cat and the growbug made it a good night for all. The end. This is a reading of Zev and the Broken Bonds, uh, written by M.J. Munoz. That's me, and I'll also be the one reading it to you. Uh, this version of the book is not final, but I want to get it out there and uh, in front of people's ears, so to speak, and over on mjmunoz.com as well for people to look at and read if they want. I uh, just did a recording for Cat and the Key of Kindness, and I can see there's a couple things I need to modify in there. And uh, I guess this is going to help me with my editing process. So uh, here we go. One more time, I'm going to share one of my Growbug Tales stories with you. And uh, this is the fifth children's book with illustrations. And uh, there are no illustrations yet, but that's the plan. And then book six, I'm still working on writing. I'm about in the middle of it. So I'll have to continue from there. And here we go. Zev and the Broken Bonds, which is a Growbug Tales book. Let's go inside for cake, everyone. Zev yelled as cold wind blew through the tables. A sudden storm sent kids rushing inside and grown-ups scrambling to clean up the mess. After the cake had been demolished and all the presents had been opened, Zev spotted one last gift. Who's this from? Zev asked, holding up a box that said Critter Rot World and showed an island with distinct zones, a stadium, and strange monsters on it. No one seemed to know who the game came from. Well, thanks anyway, Zev called out to no one in particular. Mom, can Rex help me set this up? Zev asked. Sure. As Rex plugged the console into the TV, he asked Zev, So what's this game, anyway? I've never heard of Critterbots before, Ava said. Guess we'll find out, Harmony turned on the TV. How old is this thing? Cat examined the two wired controllers. Zev pressed the power button, and a blinding flash came from the screen. Welcome, Warden, an electronic voice called from out of nowhere. Zev looked around and saw Rex, Ava... Harmony and Cat, each talking to a strange little creature floating in front of them. A visor and glove appeared before him in a shaft of light. He saw the others wearing them and put them on. 
Zev looked around for a creature like the others had, but there wasn't one. What's going on, guys? Zev called to the others. We are in your game, Zev. These are Critterbots, and they need us to defeat Dr. Decay, a mysterious mad scientist who corrupts cr Critterbots, Ava answered. We're hoping we can go home when we're done, Kat added. Zev, where's your Critterbot? Harmony asked. I don't know, Zev answered. How did you all get yours? He asked. The Critterbots explained that they are the four guardians of Ring Island, destined to save the world with the help of four humans. Suddenly the sky darkened, and a creature with many arms and a bunch of mismatched eyes all over its body descended. It slammed into a shimmering sphere of light that surrounded the children. This is a safety zone, the electronic voice said calmly. No combat is permitted here. You may rest and care for your Critterbot here. The strange creature slid down the sphere and focused its attack on one area. The shimmer began to dim and flicker, and it looked like the force field was cracking where it had been hit repeatedly. It's Dr. Decay, the Critterbots cried in unison. This is a safety zone, the electronic voice repeated itself. Not for long, Ava called out. The others scrambled to a defensive position, but Zev saw something strange by the weak point of the barrier. A small form hopped up and down. Zev felt it was calling him and ran towards it. The others ran after Zev and tried to pull him away from danger. Zev touched the strange creature, and the kids and Critterbots all disappeared from the safety zone moments before Dr. Decay burst through the barrier. "'Guys, is this my Critterbot?' Zev asked. "'Try to give him the high five. Cat encouraged. "'Buddy up!' Zev called. The Critterbot who helped them escape lifted one insectoid foot, and Zev tapped it with his gloved palm. Nothing happened. Zev tried again. The grasshopper Critterbot turned around sadly and jumped away. "'Sorry, Zev,' Ava tried to comfort him. "'Must be some sort of glitch,' Rex said. "'Zev... "'I'm sorry. "'While the others fought off waves of attacking Critterbots, "'Zev tried to make himself useful, "'needed to be rescued, got lost a couple times, "'and learned to keep his distance to stay out of trouble. "'He spotted the grasshopper Critterbot a few more times "'and had tried to befriend it, but it never stayed around. "'Everyone was exhausted from days of traveling and battling, "'everyone but Zev.' He stood at the edge of the firelight and looked away from the happy group of companions, wishing he wasn't alone. This world has rejected me too. A soft voice broke the silence. Zev froze, gripped with fear. He swallowed hard and asked, Who are you? Nobody. Someone with nobody, just like you. The sad voice answered from the shadows. Cat and my cousins are here for me, Zev responded. The voice chuckled softly. <laughs> Are they really? You don't belong. You have no part here. That isn't your fault, but still, they will resent you and reject you. You're wrong. I'll prove it, Zev retorted. He spun around and marched back towards the camp. I can't believe he has no critter pop buddy. Why is he even here? Have you seen how he just gets in the way? It's probably because he's too little. Shh, here he comes. Zev came into the circle of the firelight and saw a ring of guilty faces. With tears running down his face, Zev returned to the voice in the darkness and called out, Let's buddy up! Finally, the soft voice turned cruel and bellowed, Now I shall have the power I crave! Dr. Decay grabbed Zev. The many eyes merged together into an enormous sphere that formed around Zev, trapping him. The monster warped into a humanoid form and marched to attack the wardens and their critterbots while they were off guard. 
Zev wailed in pain and terror as the monstrosity attacked his sister and cousins. It was too powerful, too fierce to be stopped. The children and their critterbots lay on the floor amid the destruction wrought by the bad doctor. Dr. Decay stood victorious over the foes destined to defeat him. He laughed maniacally until several things happened one after another. The glitchy grasshopper appeared inside of the eye where Zev was. He and Zev jumped out of the great eye. They buddied up and the grasshopper critterbot unleashed a powerful attack on Dr. Decay. The whole island shook and the sky flashed red over the landscape. Deep cracks formed in the island and seawater shot through them. Large chunks of island began to break away and disintegrate. Zeb and his critterbot gathered with the rest of the group, and with a bright flash they all passed through another hole made by the glitching critterbot. The cousins landed with a crash back in front of the TV. Sounds of the party went on, and the kids did their best to recover. Sounds of battle carried over the wind and rain, and the five kids ran to see what it was. Dr. Decay was slipping through cracks in the sky. The four guardians tried to keep him back. As they did, other critterbots slipped through, but Decay remained their focus. Dr. Decay destroyed all four guardians and captured the children. Each trapped child cried out in anguish as the villain grew larger and turned its attention elsewhere. Glitch! Zev called out to his critterbot buddy. Glitch flew to Zev, and the two merged to become an armored grasshopper soldier, Critterbot. Zev and Glitch took Dr. Decay by surprise and kicked him so hard he flew back to the Critterbot world. The kids were set free, and the cracks in the sky vanished like a cloud. Zev and Glitch separated and ran towards the others. They tried to stir them, but they could not. Four glowing spheres, trailing like trailing light like comets, zoomed to the sad scene. Each light turned into a giant glowing bug and perched by one of the kids. The kids were revived. They thanked Zev and Glitch for saving them. After they were back inside and introductions had been made, they recounted their adventure. The growbugs marveled and declared that Glitch was truly a fellow growbug. And that is the end of the story. I have since rewritten the mid to the end, or more about like the last quarter of that book, and I change the context of some things in it so I will have to rewrite and update that but that's basically the story uh, I think anything in the newer version is just a really improving upon what I had put there so I'm going to let it slide again uh, this is part of the project of chronicling my progress as, a, as an author and I've been very uh, actually I'm going to pause and make comments after so that's the end of the story. Thank you very much for listening, and I will have an updated version of this within a year. <laughs> no, really. I don't know when I'm going to make the recording, but I have the notes written down for the you know corrected version or the updated version of this story. So you can look forward to seeing that. Uh, go to the website and look for it in the show notes. I'll have it up in the author tab and uh, maybe even on the front page that you see all the time. I might have quick links to the five Growbug picture book uh, manuscripts uh, as part of my well as part of my website restructuring to help focus on the fact that I'm an author and I'm writing these things actively so thank you for your time and attention so here is the section where I'm going to do commentary on uh, what you heard earlier and wrap up and close out the show so I failed in my goal to write every day uh, I believe there were two days within this week that I did not write at all, and then I got going on a roll, and I wrote for a couple more days, and then it 
didn't happen again yesterday. I don't know if today, the day of the recording, which is actually the release day of this, the 21st, if I will do a recording or not, um, or if I, if I will do writing. I want to, and I want to believe I will, but I didn't get to draw yesterday either. I didn't, I didn't write or draw yesterday. Um, well, I sort of wrote, but anyway, it's, it's complicated, but, uh, yeah, I didn't get to draw yesterday, and, and I'm not sure I'll write or draw today. Uh, like I said, I very much want to, but just, you know, it's only 20 minutes, but 20 minutes is still 20 minutes, and time is precious. So, uh, you heard, so that's not good, and that's that's a failure, and again, I'm, I'm not happy to share, but I'm open to sharing the failure as I stumble along my way and figure out this writing in a professional manner, uh, you know, treating writing like a business so I can turn it into a profitable business thing and I'm you know doing the documentation of it here for your benefit and for mine and yeah I'm not happy with that uh, I'm really disappointed I'm also very unhappy with how unorganized all my notes are and uh, yeah I'm very unhappy with how unorganized all my notes are between Zoho and Google Drive and the Campfire app as well and I either need to well I'm moving towards either wanting to buckle down and just pay money for Campfire so I can have its full functionality because it looks like uh, in addition to the modules and all that stuff you have for the free account you have limited access to using uh, like you have you know access to X amount of resources and it's a you know finite number less than 20 I think and I haven't played with it enough to see exactly how it is but I have a character naming sheet uh, I have the five Brobug, uh picture book manuscripts there, and I have some other stuff. Um, but because I mostly write, and I was writing for a long time in Zoho, uh, and then now I'm back to going into Google Drive because I just I wanted to be super concerned about privacy and things like that, and then I realized I'm just not going to be afraid of the beast and let that slow me down and stop me. So I'm going to use the best tools I have, even if they're from the devil, uh, because I can use those for good. And I think uh, like that's a com- that's kind of a complex moral. Or kind of step state. That's kind of a complex statement to make if you're going to dive into the morality of it. But I mean, I'm not using literal weapons of the devil. Um, and like, you know, if a villain's trying to kill you with a sword, you you don't want to have a sword to fight back against him. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so it's what you do with the tools that matters. And I just think, you know, I think the big tech companies are not good. But it's kind of like my best. The best thing I can do is uh, use their tools knowing what it costs me to use those tools and use them as effectively as possible and also notice that uh, I'm probably not the target of their data mining and so and even if I am um, so is everybody else who uses the stuff and I don't know it's, it's, it's a silly excuse it's like almost um, creating the toolbox fallacy for myself where well I don't want to use these people's tools because I think that they're morally corrupt or wrong or evil and therefore I will make it harder for myself to do the good that I'm trying to do in the world I don't think that makes sense and I think it's morally consistent with the rest of how I feel about things, um, but I don't want to have a big long talk or discussion about it and like a philosophical thought about it. I just I think using the most effective tools that help me the, be the most productive while I'm doing good things in the world, it justifies me just saying, okay, I'm going to go back to Google Drive and just do all my stuff in that because me, my wife, my daughter, we're all writing in Google Drive. We can all share with each other. We can all check each other's documents. It's just a very normal, very accessible thing to do and... Uh, I'm not going to argue with the functionality of it. So, I, like I said, I, this Grow Big Tales project is, it's interesting because it's teaching me how to write in multiple ways, and one of them is just with my organization, which is something I've mentioned before in past story over everything episodes. And now that I'm at the end of 
reading, doing the five readings for the five Growbug books, which I will, I will again, uh, because I'm stumbling and fumbling and figuring this all out as I go along, I will have to reissue those and I'll have to put the posts out and clean things up. But at least now I have good, clean recordings for all five of them. And I don't have them all backed up somewhere yet, but I can, and I now I know I have to back up my audio, which I mentioned in the previous episode, or maybe it was two episodes ago, I'm not sure. Um, but I'm figuring things out. I already have, uh, I already have the Princess and Curdy uh, story of everything chat, like the bulk of it recorded. So I'm just gonna have to do minimal recording for next week's story over everything episode. And the reason I need to be concerned about my efficiency in handling uh, my recordings and my setups for things is that <clears throat> I should be spending a lot of my time writing. Now I need to be well read to be well. I think you need to write. <laughs> I think you need to be well read in order to be well written or to write well and <clears throat> I think it's very important and I think um, my whole strategy makes sense I might be doing a little too much in areas of trying to get content produced other than books but again that's something I have to wrestle with myself but at least I can argue for myself in this way saying that I'm consistently working on chipping away at the Growbug Tales chapter book and that as I've been as I've written as I wrote each of the Growbug books they all added to each other and reinforced each other and they added elements to go into the chapter book and actually like the <clears throat> in the Growbug in the cat book um, when there's like the sphe- the like tentacles of light and the sphe- the blades of light that Hya the praying mantis has that stuff actually came from me writing the chapter book so writing the chapter book and focusing exclusively on the grow bugs and in their world uh, it allowed me to discover information and abilities and different things about the grow bugs to add back into the other stories to add unity to them to uh, make them cooler and more interesting and to better understand why I'm doing certain things with them and how they're able to do certain things. And a lot of it I've learned to just chalk it up to it's magic and be vague. Be vague but consistent. And I feel like that's very much what I'm doing. And I like that. So, you know, reading through these manuscripts, I picked up a couple things in each of them that need to be corrected. Cat has very little that needs to be altered in it. Um, Zev has a lot more. And I don't know what my process needs to be, but I definitely... I either need to... I'm scared to throw stuff away. So I either need to get rid of that fear and just start throwing away stuff, or I need to start doing a more rigid, more rigorous system of dating my documents and turning them into backup files. So if I wrote yesterday, July 20th, and I decided to go in a different direction today, July 21st, and it's in you know document X or book X, I need to make a copy. I need to rename the 20th and make it, you know, 23, you know, whatever, 07, 0720222, sorry, you know what I'm doing, right, 0720223 underscore back, or maybe back underscore at the front of it, I, I need to organize that somehow, but then I'll have my document that was, you know, that's the copy, and I'll continue working on the new document and make all changes going make all hard changes going forward in that and then when I come up with something I need to change from the you know document modified the 21st then I go ahead and whatever if it's on October 7th that I decide I need to change that then it'll be 10072023 to distinguish it designate it as a backup file and then use the core document that I you know 
split off of to keep moving forward and making my changes. I don't know if that's enough or if I need to look into, like Scribner's for Apple only. Um, if it works just like uh, <laughs> Campfire, I'm not going to like it because I haven't gotten used to Campfire and I don't, like it almost seems like too many tools for me to utilize. And my wife is doing great. She's written several books. She's like over, like close to 10 now, I think. And um, she isn't doing that. She's just using a Google document. She's not even organizing. To be fair, there's sweet romance. There's not a fictional world that she's making. She's you know making it very much you know true life in a lot of ways, um, and that makes it easier for her. And we've kind of had talks about what I'm doing, what she's doing. And I said, you know, she's like, it's because you're writing about bugs. And I said, no, it's not because I'm writing about bugs. It's because you're writing about real life, and you're not having to having to make up all these things like I am. So it makes more sense. But I definitely need to learn from her and be humble and not say, oh, I've been interested in writing for years and you haven't been, so therefore I'm... No, just she's being more effective of a writer than I am. And yet, uh, I need to just learn from that and and take lessons that you know, she's taught me in her writing process and figure out what exactly to do for myself. So, like I said, I'm trying to figure out what it is. It's just I have all these different new ideas and I don't know if it's because I didn't develop enough in the pre-writing stage. Like, I don't know if I need to just have a massive, like, drafts document or brainstorm document and just write and write and write and write in that thing until I'm ready to pull things from it and say, okay, this was all my big bag of ideas and now I'm going to pull certain threads from that. I'm going to keep the bag of ideas closed over here by itself. And if I ever need to, I can go back into that one and then I'll come back here to... Um, I'll come back here to do what... <laughs> <laughs> I will come back here to, uh, I guess I'll continue in this other doc. And I need to figure that out. So I think I need to buckle down, and after I'm done with these uh, five books, I, well, so I'm basically done with the five books. I just need to do minor revisions to all of them. They are pretty much have unity now. I need to finish book six, which is the Growback Tales chapter book, right? Um, so once I'm done with that, I think... I was going to say, I think I might start developing the Typhoon system before I go ahead and uh, finish Growbug Tales, the chapter book. But I don't know if I should put all my mental energy into just developing the book faster and spend more time writing on it, or what? That's probably the smarter thing to do. I'm trying to think about like uh, the snowball effect. You know, what makes more sense? What do I add my energy to? Do I spread myself then, or do I attack the smallest thing first then take my energy from that and add it to the next thing I should probably do the snowball thing and just focus on getting Growbug Tales written faster um, I'm only writing 10 minutes a day pretty much when I do write the 10 minutes a day and I am adding to it I'm, I'm about I don't know a quarter into chapter 9 out of I think 16 chapters of what my outline lo- has the last time I looked at it and I'm liking what I'm doing and, but I'm just I'm dealing with a big cast I've got 7 Growbug Cadets I've got three keepers. I've got uh, the camp's guardian plus the five guest guardians. And then I've got the seer, who's kind of overseeing the whole thing. And then I've got the watchers. And the watchers are, you know, the, this, like, high level of exalted. They're like Jedi Master or, like, you know, Gandalf Wizard, <laughs> basically, level characters. And they're in the narrative as little as possible so that they can be advising and not intervening. Um, but they'll kind of be my, you know, when the things get dark. They'll, they'll appear to, to turn the tide. <laughs> um, and uh, I like Lord of the Rings. Did you know that? Um, anyway, so that's what I'm doing with them. 
and I just I feel good about what I'm doing it's just perhaps a little too ambitious like if I had just been writing the five grow bug books I don't know maybe I need to change the nature of my campaign but the thing is this sixth grow bug book is just it's just a chapter book there's no real illustrations except for maybe a cover well yeah I'm thinking a cover illustration and then uh, like chapter headings which that could just be like a grow bug for every different chapter and just show off the different ones because they're all, you know, they'll have their own cute, you know, cross between a Digimon and a, I don't know what. Um, yeah, but that's that's the design idea. Cross between a Digimon, a Pokemon, and a bug. You know, they're all bugs. They're either going to look like a, a little like a Pokemon or a little like a Digimon and, you know, be cute or whatever. And, you know, how do I do that? And how do I, you know, maybe I just commissioned my artist... Um, my artist who I've talked to, hey, can you just give me black and white drawings, one for each chapter, you know, let's make the villain, and even, wow, repurpose the artwork. I wanted to show the Growbug cadets in a circle and have the seer, the moth seer, Glimmer, showing the bird, the mist bird thing that's going to be attacking the camp that they need to be saved from. Show that thing, she's projecting with her, you know, seer powers, her seer magic where she's using light. Um, to make the thing appear, and they're all loud around it. So my artist could do that design or that sketch, and just show glimmer, chirp, and quiver, which are a cricket and a uh, moth, respectively. And glimmer's a, a moth as well. Uh, show the three of them for sure. Maybe have silhouetted the other characters, the other Grobug cadets, but still in their proper forms for their you know whatever type of bod body type they would have for whatever type of bug they are, based off of. And then show the bird in the middle, and then. He can repurpose those. If I have 12 chapters and I'm showing there's seven cadets, uh, there's the bird, uh, many, many birds, whatever. That's eight chapters worth. Um, maybe show the keeper. That's actually not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. And I can have him showcase them using their different magic or their magic in different ways, like throwing the leaves around uh, for chapter nine or whatever. Huh. So I'm saying maybe I shift to really focusing on getting the Growbug chapter book done as soon as possible. Having the artist help me develop the designs, the final designs for the characters for the picture books by commissioning him and paying him for the cover for the chapter book as well as the chapter images. That could be cool. Black and white, less expensive, helps me and him develop our rapport in developing the look for these characters and then sell, you know, get that book published, get it selling, and then use it as a bonus added thing to the launch campaign for Girl Bug Book, you know, Picture Book 1 and kind of go from there. Hmm. And then after all that's done, then I can develop my Typhoon system so I can really understand how exactly I want to structure my writing so that it's efficient and I'm not wasting time and I'm not going back over and over and over again because that's the problem. It's not that I'm not creative. It's that I'm... Like, I need to figure out how to limit myself and stop adding things to the stories so that they're, you know, manageable for me to write in the smaller stints that I do now. Hmm, that's a lot to think about. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, I thank you for your time and attention. I thank you for... Listening, I appreciate any feedback you have for me. Uh, I'd like to know what you think about the stories. Um, you know, I, I've told you that I'm going to do minor tweaks to Cat and uh, bigger tweaks to Zev, 
I'm kind of shifting the direction and changing some of the context of it. Uh, but tell me what you think about those stories now, if you've listened to them. And, uh, yeah, do the kids feel consistent in them? Because in Kat and Zev are brother and sister. He's her little brother. And he wasn't included in the sleepover because he was at grandma's or he was having fun with mom and dad or whatever, ignoring his big sister um, while she's off doing whatever with the older cousins. And, you know, I don't know, maybe he's having popcorn and, uh, you know, who knows what. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, he's somewhere else, so he's not involved in that story. But you get back-to-back these books, and they all take place over the course of, like, a year, basically. And, you know, nine months to a year. And uh, you have the four cousins interacting, and then you have them again together in the Zev book. But I, I, I shifted the focus away from Zev enough where you don't get too much of them, but you get just a touch, a taste of their personalities, which I think is sufficient. So, I don't know. Tell me if... if it made sense if you liked it. If you didn't like it, any feedback you have would be appreciated. Uh, until next time, folks, be well. This is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.